you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, hello, Power Partners. It's Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you for joining us on our Power Hour today. We are going to have a show all about show business and award season. The show is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity, and we're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. The miracle moment for today is by Be The Star You Are. Go to the website, bethestaryouare.org. And this is by actor Robin Williams that I was privileged to work with on three movies. He said, when I told my father I was going to be an actor, he said, fine. But study welding just in case. Well, if you wonder what this has to do with our show today, it is award season. As you know, you've probably been paying attention to all the different award shows from the Golden Globes and the People's Choice and the Screen Actors Guild Awards, the Grammys. The Oscars are coming up, and I just found out that there's going to be movies for grown-ups this weekend, which is another show. So it's just been a nonstop of award shows. So we thought that we are going to talk to you uh, today about acting and the business of show business. And perhaps one of the most uh, interesting things is how much do people make on movie sets? It seems to be something that is always... um, Always asked because you think, okay, so there's a, there's movies out there. People must be making a lot of money. Well, let's see what you can earn when you go to Hollywood, even if your name isn't on the marquee. Because the chances of becoming a movie star is said it is one in one million, one hundred and ninety thousand, and that's according to the Book of Odds. So it is definitely easier to make it behind the camera. However, when you want to be in the movie business, even if you don't make millions, you can still earn a different living. So how much do people in show business really make? Well, the Hollywood Reporter just published the typical salaries for a variety of jobs on both the small and the big budget movies. And these are some of the things that I thought that uh, you would find pretty interesting. Well, we'll start with a makeup artist. Now, that's one of the great perks. I, When I'm on a set, I love having my hair and makeup artist. And it is just amazing how they can make you look. I mean, all you have to do is see somebody with their makeup on. And I don't even mean monster makeup. I mean, that's a, a real technique in itself. But just making anybody look good or look different. So in film industry, makeup artists and hairstylists, they earn somewhere between 48 to $79 an hour. It depends on the size of the production. And that's obviously above what anything, if you go to pay scale, what it would uh, say that a job's nationwide medium pay for somebody doing makeup or hair, which is about $18 an hour. 
So if you are um, really a, a makeup artist or you are a hairstylist and you are really good at what you do, you may want to intern and try to work your way on that. The next thing is camera operator. A camera operator's medium earnings on a film or television are under about 50000 a year. Now, of course, there are some of the really great ones who get to work on the big budget films, and then they can take home about three times that amount. Screenwriters, this is the one that always kind of blows me away that how little it is because the Writers Guild stipulates that screenwriters earn at least 72600 for an original film script, 63500 for an adaption, but um, the annual medium is about 72000 However, big stars like Aaron Sorkin, he can demand $3 million to $5 million. So again, writing a screenplay could be great. Producing. Now, producers, the annual uh, salary for a producer in TV and films is just about 66000 However, getting back to the typical Hollywood film producer uh, is more like 750000 to a million dollars per movie. Producers behind a box office smash can pull in tens of millions of dollars, and the reason for that is they do something called points. They'll get a, you know, they'll they'll take one percent or something or a half a percent. So they're they're betting on the blockbuster. Directors, big budget directors, earn half a million until they have a hit, and then they start just going up. For example, if you saw Wonder Woman, which I loved, Patty Jenkins, she took home a million dollars for Wonder Woman, but for the next one, the sequel. She's negotiating now in the eight to nine million dollar range. The boom operators, those are the guys that dangle the microphone right above our heads. It's outside the camera frame. You don't see it, but that's where you have the good sound. They earn about thirty seven thousand and that's working on a low budget and that it goes up on big projects and of course they can negotiate. Interesting about that is oh I think about them, they're strong and how their arms must get really, really tired doing it. The key grip, this is the person you see when you're looking at the credits, the key grip oversees equipment supporting cameras and lighting. That's like the dollies, the tripods, the cranes, and they make about 114000 on a big budget film, or on TV shows, it's anywhere from 25 to $35 an hour, and that's usually about the range on low budget as well. Now, getting to the actors. A-list stars, you hear about them all the time, making $15 million to $20 million for leading roles in those big budget movies. But lesser known actors, let's just use uh, Gal Gadot, who's now, she's not lesser known anymore because Wonder Woman was such a hit. She got only 150000 for that movie, although I'm sure next time she'll be getting a lot more. It uh, usually depends on the size of the role, uh, but an annual salary for an actor isn't that much, just as the medium actor is around 50000 So extras, 
We have Screen Actors Guild, and so there's a minimum that you can be paid, and every contract is a little bit different from the time that you are, uh, if you're acting in film or you're acting in television, it's all just a tiny bit, um, It's they're all different fees. But if you're under a union contract, you're going to be making on a, a film or TV show under Screen Actors Guild, usually as an extra, about $165 for a day. Whereas if you're working on a five or under, which means you get to speak some lines, uh, and that would make you a principal, then that rate goes up to more like $800. Now, once you're a principal, you can get residuals. And that's um, that's where the money comes in because once you start making residuals, you get residuals for the rest of your life as long as you're on there. Now, there's also voice acting, and there's many different other kinds of of acting um, uh, participants that you could get you could use in when you're working in show business. For example. If you're going to do print work, it might be $150 to $200 an hour. And everything is negotiable. When you're working under a union contract, there are minimums that have to be met. And then your agent or you can negotiate anything above. The big new thing are independent films, as everybody knows. And we're seeing more and more big, big names working in small budget films. And that's because especially actors who have made it, they really care about the work. And it's more important to them to be working in something that they find to be very uh, meaningful as opposed to just working, you know, in some big budget thing where they're going to be making just tons of money. So that's just a little bit behind the scenes of, 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 of the movies. Now, this movie's for grown-ups. I just got an email about this, and I'd never really heard about it, but it's honoring top performers in a year filled with smart films. And what it is is it's uh, movies that, uh, that have been deemed to be the best movies for people. Well, they say grown-ups, but it actually means for older adults, probably, you know, 40s and 50s and up. So... The nominees this year on Movies for Grownups, some of them actually are um, crossing over to the Academy Awards. There's Get Out and Lady Bird and The Shape of Water and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. But the one in there that I was surprised and happy about was Star Wars The Last Jedi because um, it has Leah's poignant farewell and Luke's return. And it passes that baton on to the kids, you know, like they were a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. There also for Best Actor, there's a few people that are um, that are crossing over for Best Actor, Daniel Day-Lewis, Tom Hanks, Gary Oldman, Denzel Washington. And this is um, nominees for uh, movies for grownups. And they also are nominated for Academy Awards. And then in the Best Actress... We have uh, Frances McDormand and Meryl Streep. Uh, And so that's rather exciting. Well, when we come back from break, we're actually going to be going um, to talk about the Academy Awards and the awards uh, season in general when Heather Brittany joins me. Heather Brittany is uh, also 
a member of Screen Actors Guild and votes in the Screen Actors Guild Awards. So this should be pretty fun. So stay with me. We'll be right back. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryant, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show well, it really is a show business show today because we are talking about award season and specifically this week we are talking about the upcoming Academy Awards and of course, as I just mentioned that I just found out were happening, this new award that is called Movies for Grownups and with me is Heather Brittany. Hello, Heather. Oh, hello. Welcome, welcome back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I'm always so glad to share this this uh, segment um, or these segments with you when we're talking about movies because you have been in the industry as since you were just a couple of days old. <laughs> and uh, even in the SAG Awards, you actually got to be on the nominating, nominating committee one year. So we have... Which, the, we, uh, the funny thing is, uh, so I got to be on the voting thing one year, but now, now everyone in SAG gets to vote, which I think is great. And I think that opens it up instead of it just being a random selective crew I think it really it does I think it's important now that everyone is given that option yes I think that is a a great thing well we're coming up for Oscars 2018 which it actually is the 90th year of uh of Oscar so which I find just kind of fascinating that 90 years there have been the Academy Awards and there have only been two times in the film history where a film did the the sweep, where it won an Oscar for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Directing, and Best Writing. It's called The Big Five. 
One was in 1935. It was Frank Capra's, uh, that screwball comedy, It Happened One Night. And then the second <laughs> time wasn't until 1976. That's how long it took, 31 years, right? Is that right? No, 41 years. Um, with uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Nicholson. And that wow. one, uh, it won the big five. So this year we have uh, some amazing performances, but um, I just thought we would go through them and see what you liked, see what you've seen, and um, how you feel that it's shaping up. So why don't we start with, um, with films that are up for the, um, for the best picture? Sure. Okay. So, my favorite for the whole year. Um, I don't know what you liked, but uh, I really, really, really loved um, The Shape of Water. I, I was thought, just going to say that's that's my sort of overall pick for a lot of things. I just thought it was a beautifully. I thought it was a beautiful story. Um, I appreciated um, the kind of bizarreness of it as well. And just gorgeous cinematography, such such well acted. It's such a, a story well told and well acted. You know, I feel when you, I feel like when you leave a movie or after you see the movie, and you feel emotion, whether it's you know anger or joy or you know you just you feel something. I feel like that is the intent of a movie is to move you to a movie to move you in some way to really feel that. Oh, and I, yeah. I felt very moved by that film. So you know, and did you find when you first saw it, uh, you know, when you first saw the name of it, The Shape of Water, did you think it was going to be kind of hokey? I mean, it, I, you know, I thought, huh. A, a water creature and a deaf person, you know, this is going to be hokey. And then once it started, I fell in love with everything about it. It was just so, it, just as you said, it was very, very moving and very heartfelt. What was your first impression of it? Well, because overall, I know um, uh, the director was it, uh, I can't, Guillermo del Toro is that is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Um, in yeah. general, he's he's known m- more for doing um, almost kind of Quentin Tarantino esque style of of movies. These bizarre, gory, you know, just he has a, you know he has more horror films, I would say, and gl- bloody gory uh, films. Yeah, I in, think that um, might have been why <laughs> I thought... In his uh, repertoire than, than these emotional ones. And so, right, right. I, you know, going into it, I didn't really know. Seeing the commercials for it, I, I kind of wasn't sure. Um, and actually, I kind of thought it was going to have a mermaid-esque kind of theme of it. And, you know, it, it did kind of... The interesting thing, I will say, there's some moments... But for some reason, it all works. Um, the it, not ruining, uh, not not uh, taking away for anyone who has not seen the film. But uh, it's sort of the you know the forever Romeo and Juliet story, the the tale of two lovers. You know these people who find each other, who um, to the outside are not meant to be, but find that connection, and there's something pulling them apart. And somehow, you know, in the end, you know, it's it's sort of. Well, I could, Wait, I can't give away the end. But to say, no, don't give away the lovers, end. You know, there's that star crust thing of, of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the monster itself, when they show him, almost has that kind of a, 
Oh, yet it was very modern day um, cinematography and effects, but the monster itself almost has that kind of 1950s hokey, you know, this is a sea monster creature kind of thing. Uh, but it all works. You don't. I I feel like when you're watching this, you almost feel like this was some story of told, and the narration of it. And and I think there's also within the story, um, it really, it's beyond just a love story. It's talking about tolerance. It touches on so many different, it touches yeah, about tolerance, inequality like of women, Jenkins. inequality and injustice, uh, racial discrimination of, um, you know, the fact that the, the, the lead character, the lead woman actress who I, she gets my vote for best actress. It's I agree. Sally Hawkins. literally has no line, has no words. Uh, right. Just, but, but her emotion—you you so feel much. she carries it just with the way her facial emotion, the way you can see just how she, how everything is being felt, and I think that is such a powerful thing to act with no words, and yet someone a, people are so moved interview. by how you're acting. So I, I I've heard it was an interview beautiful. with uh, Richard Jenkins, who who plays the neighbor, and yeah. he's up also for an Oscar as best supporting actor. And he plays a, her gay neighbor, um, and and she is deaf, and she can't speak. And so she talks to him with sign language, and he kind of, you know, interprets what she says. And he was saying how they rehearsed this one scene, the one scene when she comes to him in the apartment saying that she wants to help the sea creature escape. Yeah. They rehearsed this one, not even a minute scene, for three full weeks because they wanted to get it just right, because she was doing sign language, and he didn't want to step on her toes. And and what was fascinating is that the day they shot it, they did it completely different, and it just flowed perfectly. <laughs> yeah. no, but you know, that's what uh, that made me think of something too. Is I thought he was a lead a lead actor in that. Um, it's interesting how they put actor in a supporting role. You know, they have William Defoe, Richard Jenkins, Woody Harrelson, all up um, for, and there's other, there's Christopher Plummer and Sam Rockwell as well that are up for um, supporting actor. But the, but Woody, William, and Richard, in my opinion, they were all lead actors in their movies. William was in the Florida Project and Woody was in Three Billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And so that always interests me how they get put into supporting role. And I'm just wondering if it's because they just already had too many leading men in the leading role, you know? Yeah, with- you know, and, and that's something I'm not really, and, and you know, and sometimes you feel in movies, or even when that goes for all nominations, um, especially when I, I know for, gosh, what was, uh, I'm blatant, that Pretty Little Lies or Big Little Lies, whatever oh, yeah, that yeah, 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 that was, that was so great. And it was, you know, a, 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 a primarily a female cast, and there were so many outstanding actresses or actors, as, as we're now just mutually calling it, um, in that, in that, and it was interesting of how they divided of which ones were considered the lead and which one were considered um, supporting. And right, again, it's, right. I don't know if that I have no idea if that becomes when there is just such a strong cast of that. You know, or, I mean, I I don't understand how there can only be one lead in things. I feel like there can there can be two. There can be people who who are both getting enough screen time or doing these things. So well, they do. I don't know how that all gets um, Yeah, divided. I don't know either. Um, that's a really good question. The actor in the supporting role, interestingly enough, 
They did put two people from the same movie in actor in a supporting role. They put Woody Harrelson and they put Sam Rockwell. So they both, you know, they both were uh, cops in that. So let's uh, let's segue over to three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, because it uh, it seems to be a favorite movie. Everybody loves Frances McDormand. Uh, so you know, I and I, I guess that just is why there are so many movies and so many choices of everything in life. Um, so overall, I thought this was very well acted. I cannot take away from that. Um, but it was a different, a difficult story. I think in general, it was very heart wrenching. It is a, a painful yes. story, and it's interesting because the commercials and the ads almost make it seem like it's going to kind a of comedy. be a comedy, you know, of right. this kind of tough mom. Yeah. And and underlying, there's a, a lot. Um, it's a very painful story in a way, and a lot of. But but again, um, as if it fits. I feel like it fits with our time. What's going on? A bit. Yeah, and um, that's what I was going to say. I wonder of, if. I wonder if it's a favorite because of the theme, the fact that we have the Me Too uh, movement going on now. It's the theme, uh, you know, it's it's a uh, woman centric. It's also the fact of a mother trying to find the killer and rapist of her daughter. So it that could be part of it. You know, that could be part of it. Um, but I mean, I I liked it. I didn't I didn't. Love it, you know. I didn't yeah, love it. That's it's not how, my you know, kind that's of how movie. I felt. I felt too. I, I, yeah. I again, I won't take anything away from it. I thought it was very well acted and a powerful story, but it wasn't one of those movies. Um, for at least for myself, that I felt like, oh my god, you've got to see this <laughs> to tell someone. Right. You know, I felt like right. it was very a very select few. I feel like could really, you know, and it's an outstanding cast. I mean, it really is well performed, but it's just you know sometimes it's just a movie. It's more difficult. Not to say that all movies should be light in any means, but um, yeah. And you know, and I have to say, and honestly, in the ending, without giving away anything, I felt it leads you with kind of the interpretation of what's about to happen next. You're not quite sure, and I felt like it, it kind of for myself, kind of cut a little short. I felt like what, like there was about to be something, and then it just it ended for and me. And then so. it stopped, right? <laughs> I felt yeah. But, you know, but I, I, again, I kind of I felt that as, as well. Anything away from it and. Uh, but uh, not my not my top picks. I know it's got a lot, um, won a lot of acclaim for it. So you know, excellent to that. Um, well, right now, after, at least on the Academy Awards, it looks like Shape of Water and Dunkirk are have the most nominations. Shape of Water first, and then Dunkirk second. Uh, did you see Dunkirk? I did not actually, and so that was something when I was looking over this, I was like, I, I have not seen this movie, and I know it's it's again a powerful war movie. Um, have you seen it? And what are your yes, feelings? Yes, yes, yes. Well, you know, I mean, I'm a history buff, so I really did. Uh, I really that was a battle that was incredibly sad. I think it was three hundred. There were four hundred thousand soldiers that were stranded on the beaches of Dunkirk in France, surrounded by the German army. And there was no way to get them get them out. And um, uh, uh, Churchill, who had become prime minister right at the beginning, I think around the 3rd of May, this started happening on the 25th. So within a couple of weeks of him becoming prime minister, he is given this terrible task of 
possibly losing all these men. And he's surrounded by a cabinet that just wants to give in to Hitler and just says, you know, we just got to negotiate with them. And um, anyway, Dunkirk is, is a true story of how civilians got into boats and traveled across the English Channel and rescued 380,000 of these men. Wow. Uh, and it happened within nine days. I think it was a nine-day period. And what, I, what, what I, I found that, again, the cinematography was great. Of course, the characters were based on a compendium of different you know, different real life characters. Um, it's so that you could just get a feeling, but you really could feel when you watch the movie, you really feel the, the depth of the, the exhaustion and the fear and the cold and how they, how they hung in there. I don't know. But what I liked about this year is that there were two movies kind of back to back darkest hour, which is about Churchill, Gary Oldman, And he's up for Academy Award. And if anybody knows what Gary Oldman looks like, he doesn't look... Oh, my he, God. I mean, that, that, that is transformation. And now, I, I believe I heard that um, that it was makeup and uh, that suit yeah. that they put on him. But right, when, right. I first, when I first saw the movie and I saw that he was... I, I thought, I gained weight for... I mean, it, it didn't... How did he do it, that? I think that also says something on another level, just the acting of makeup artists, of these people that, oh my gosh, of of all the other things beyond of just what we see. You think of what contributes to what we see, the costume makers, the cinematographers, the the people when, you know, when when a movie is set in in a time that isn't current, how today, you know, we have such access to well, in a way, we do have such access to facts and to see how things work. So even more now and days, people are very um, critical of saying, oh, you know, that, those kinds of clothes did or did not exist in a particular time period, or this is how someone would look, or this is how they would be. And so by having that, it, it blows my mind of, of when you yeah. look to a movie, there's so much just at first sight of, of all yeah. those well, that details gets to that make not it just what it is. Makeup artists, I think, I think that, well, first of all, it's the whole um, crew that participates, but that's also the costumes. That's also the wardrobe department and the set exactly. design. I, You know, so often when I've worked on films, I've thought to myself, wow, I mean, they they are so particular, these wardrobe people, Right down to the have the buttons and to the shoes. Even if your shoes aren't even on camera, they want yeah. you to be walking in shoes that are from the period, so that you're walking that way that you would. And I've always wondered, you know, why is that so necessary? But then you realize once you get into that uh, costume, you get into that wardrobe, you become that era. And when you watch it on the big screen or the little screen or whatever you watch it on, it just becomes that much more real and that much more poignant. But having Darkest Hour and Dunkirk in the same year, to me, was a really good choice and and very fascinating because if you watch... um, if you watch what's happening in, Dun- at, on, in Dunkirk, and then um, or you watch Darkest Hour first, you'll realize how correct Churchill, obviously Churchill was, but how uh, how he had so many opponents. And one of my favorite scenes of the movie, and um, 
is, and I think this is kind of well known anyway, when all of his cabinet members are telling him, just negotiate with Hitler, you know, he's not so bad, bottom line. And his, uh, his, uh, his comment was, you know, when you're in the mouth of the tiger, you don't, you do not negotiate. And so that to me was, I thought that was just a, it was a really uh, brilliant movie. I really enjoyed that movie as well. Now, what about Get Out? Uh, the first time, so, you know, uh, so with Get Out, I will, I have to say, I am a fan. And so, so mixed emotions. And one thing I have to say is, if anyone knows Jordan Peele, there's a show on Comedy Central called Keen and Peele. And um, Jordan Peele, and I'm forgetting what uh, Peele's first name is. But anyway, they are two, you know, they write and direct, and they, their show is a pure comedy, and it is just a sketch comedy nonsense. So, to hear that he was the the writer, director, producer, and and also something that's pounding uh, boundaries is as an African American, he is this he could potentially be setting a record and pushing a new thing. That he is the first African American ever nominated for best picture, best director, and best original screenplay all in the same year. But what's amazing is he is a commit. You know, it'd be like hearing that. Uh, yeah, you know, Will Ferrell or something. Wrote yes, right. It's just like what? But and there is, um, there is comedy moments of it, and the because the the title itself, and I I watched an interview with him, and he's saying that if anyone, he's like, you know, him being himself an African American, so they, you know, African Americans have this tendency. We watch a movie and we're screaming, "Oh, get out, get out, do this!" So uh-huh. that's the t- and you'll see throughout the movie, there's this friend that's sort of that comic relief in between that he's the one that you know. That, and and you know comes to be the hero of it, but um, he's the one that has all these funny little one-liners. And I thought it was a fascinating. I thought, uh, and it's not. It's. I mean, it does have its. You know, it has a great twist. Moments, but I thought it was very psychological. Very those things you right. thought you thought right. you understood something, and then it changed. And um, and right. something too not related, but just kind of showed me the depth of this actor. Um, the actor that plays the lead, uh, I'm not Daniel sure if he's Kal- British, Kaluuya. he's definitely not American. So I, I saw an interview with him, and I'm always taken out of myself when I see actors in interviews who have complete, their real accent, their real voice is nothing like what they play, whether right. it's that they're American and they're playing someone British or vice versa, or they're really Australian. Or so, and um, I'm not sure if, I just, if he's English or what, but definitely not American, and I would never guess that for this movie. And, um, well, I will I just, say, I, I, I thought it was, English. again, it's just so very, these... Thought provo- it, it had all those elements of it. It was very thought provoking because it, it ties in with a lot of um, uncomfortable things, and it had some comic relief. It had I, I you know it, it's nothing to say that um, I definitely can't put uh, the shape of water the, the next to each other because they were two different emotions. I felt with mm-hmm. it one you know the, I feel like the shape of water is something I want to say to everyone of this was a powerful movie. I feel um, get out is something I tell people yeah you should see this movie but it, but I'm not I'm more of saying it of it's a fun movie or it's an interesting movie not because this is something that's going to stay with you forever and really have your, you know, your emotions tied with it. But I thought it was, um, I thought it was a fascinating movie. And I, yeah, I, I definitely, it gets my accolades. Well, one movie that really um, touched me, pulled at heartstrings, also made me feel uncomfortable was Call Me By Your Name. 
yeah. and that's up for an Oscar. And the French boy, uh, Timothy Lee Chalamet, is um, he's up. Uh, and the acting was superb, but the kind of the premise of it is uh, an American. Uh, well, was he an archaeologist or something? Comes to mm-hmm. stay with a French family, and he falls in love with the son who's only seventeen. And so, I think the disturbing part for me was the fact that the kid was underage, right? But at the same time, it is uh, it is a love story, and it's all about it. All has to do with the different taboos and stuff. But the acting was absolutely brilliant. That was a really, really a great movie. Another one, Denzel Washington, who is from San Francisco, he never, ever fails. I didn't know to, that. <laughs> yeah, he's from San Francisco. He, uh, he never fails to put out a, a phenomenal performance. In Roman J. Israel, for which he's up for an Academy Award, he plays a, a lawyer on the Asperger um, syndrome, um, spectrum. And... He is just amazing, amazing in it. And when I first saw, uh, when I was going through movies, I really was finding it very hard to choose who would I, who do I want to vote for? Because, he was, you know, Denzel was just, they're, they're all amazing. But I think between Gary Oldman and Denzel, to me, it was kind of a toss up. Now, um, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Continue, continue. Uh, I, I, did you see I, Tanya with Margot Robbie? She's up. I uh, did. I did see. I did see. And you know, you know, I guess what was interesting to me, so again, an outstanding cast, and it's so bizarre because um, I totally remember, remember that Olympics. Yes. I remember when I was a kid and when that was on, and I actually remember being at our neighbor's house, uh, Megan's, and and. Uh, that was you know, one of those first things I remember as a kid. And actually seeing the Olympics this year, I, I feel I did not think I would be so into the Winter Olympics as I have been. And I've, I feel like every time I've, it, it's those things I get home from work and it, it happens to be on. And I find myself so incredibly moved. I, one night I came on, I came home and there was, uh, the ice, speaking of the ice skating, there was the, the doubles ice skating. This um, So beautiful. Oh, my gosh. And I was just so incredibly moved, but just getting back to the Tony Hart, um, you know, so just the interesting thing was I thought it was very well acted, um, and I thought, my goodness, what the, she's nominated the mom in it. The mom, oh, oh yeah. Oh, my goodness. She, uh, Allison Janey, the mom, my thought, gosh, she I, was I evil. She's such a phenomenal actor, um, but there was just some, I guess in some ways, I don't know if it's just me of almost being too critical, uh, but I felt some of the lines, some of the things in the movie, you know those things where you just felt like, no, that is not, they did not say that kind of thing. You know, I just uh-huh. felt like sometimes, yeah. you know, that just, that just too perfect of a comment, that just, that right on comeback. Um, yeah. But, you know, I guess that's, I mean, I'm sure that's probably no one else's critique. Those are the random things I critique in movies. Um, but, again, I thought it was, it was excellent, but... Well, not yeah, what was interesting I thought, is again, excellent thing, but I, not as just took my breath away. 
That that movie, because it was about a true event, and it's telling the story literally of the person who was the uh, the bad person in it. She's the one that yeah. at least it was um, thought that she um, knocked Nancy Kerrigan, you know, out of the um, I think it was the USA stuff. I mean, you know, like. Did, did something terrible to her legs and I've read something about you know they've asked Kerrigan what does she think of the movie and have said she hasn't seen it she doesn't have time for it and I can only imagine that could be rather painful that you you know that she was put um, she went on of course to the Olympics to win a silver which was great Kerrigan did but mm-hmm. to have gone through something like that was just horrific and we don't know really what the true story is because like we always say there's three sides to every story yours mine and the truth right exactly so, exactly and so i don't, think you know. and and you know and i think actually just as you said i, I can only imagine finance carrying of um you know in a way of this thing of this woman that potentially was involved with um you know, this horrible thing that happened to her to almost be put on a pedestal, to almost being uh, yeah, must be kind of bad. Being you know, the story we you know. So, and and I think that's always a hard thing too when you're doing a story when those people are still alive. When yeah. you know, and yeah. and it's uh, I don't know. So interesting. So well, when yeah, it comes I the mixed to- things of it too, I thought it was you know very well acted, but. Yeah, I guess I guess because uh, you know it was just so recent, and I have those mixed emotions for it yes. that um, it wasn't my number one. That's all. Yeah, uh, no, I I, I I totally agree. And interestingly, um, the mother, who you know, the real life mother, Tanya Harding. Of course, she says that she never did any of those things, uh, that she spanked her kids, but she was not an abusive mother, that she was a loving mother. But of course, what else could you expect her to say? Now, for the Female Academy Award, I would love to see Meryl Streep take it. And my reason is, this is her 21st Academy Award (laughs) nomination. She's had three wins. But can you imagine being up for 21 Academy Award nominations? You know, she, uh, Flores. Now, has uh, she Flores ever Foster. not won when she's been nominated? Well, has no, that's Every time she's saying. been nominated, has she won? No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. She's only won three times. And oh. she's been it nominated. Amazes me. I, wow. You know what? I honestly, because I, I kind of almost oh feel bad for I for bad for actresses when they're nominated against her. I feel like, oh God, you know, that's like having Oprah in your category. You know, exactly. Kind of like, well, I'm oh sure my she goodness. probably you know, feels like that too, and and other people do. But you know, uh, last year it was Florence Foster Jenkins, uh, which I really loved that movie. That was a 2016 where she played the um that singer who her husband actually oh, booked yes. Carnegie Hall oh, she yes. was so horrible I, I and movie. then she was she did Into the Woods and I thought August Osage County that was one of the worst movies I'd ever seen uh her in um but she did Iron Lady and Julie and Julia and Doubt and The Devil Wears Prada and Adaptation I mean there's just so many oh things. I mean it goes on and yeah. on and yeah. yeah I mean what 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 an honor what an honor I feel 
and got, and I, that just amazed me to think, wow, I really thought she had won all of those. Um, no, I just think my she, favorite. What, what an amazing a, career and such a diverse yeah. career, too. Well, I remember her, Deer Hunter, I think, was one of her very first um, feature films. I remember her in um, a TV special about the Holocaust, and I'm, uh, I'm, I, that was, she was story. so, pardon me? Sophie's Choice? No, Sophie's Choice, she actually won. Uh, she actually oh. won um, the actor in a leading role. And that is probably my favorite. Kramer versus Kramer and Choice, Sophie's Choice are probably my favorite movies that she's ever done. And Sophie's Choice still to this day is one of those movies that just gives me like, uh, you know, it just, it just gives yeah, me the I, I have not so seen far. the movie, but I read the book in high school. And so I know what a, what a choice. That was. Yeah, it's a choice that you that no person no one would should make, ever yeah. want to make. Should ever want to make. Yeah, we just we no don't even don't even want to <laughs> go there. So um, then so anyway, I would love to see her win because I just think she's great. Although yeah. my favorite in the leading actress was Sally Hawkins for Shape of Water. Yeah, I think so. For me, I think. Though it's really, I think, and God, what a what an, an amazing thing! I don't think, uh, I don't think we've heard the last of Meryl. I think they'll probably be oh no, she'll be going for a nominations long. ahead of her. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's just something so unique and powerful about Sally Hawkins is that she literally had no words, no lines in this mm-hmm. film, um, except you know, just sort of gas of air really it's all just facial and with her hand and that way you know that movement of just everything you could see of when she was conveying you know love and worry and happiness and and everything about you know it was just enjoy and i i think there's um I think that it was just a, a very powerful performance and a very different it was. performance. And, and yeah, to think it was. to be nominated as an actor of saying no words, you know. And I, so, and I think coming as someone as a dancer, I always think that dance is a way of expressing yourself without words, that you let the music kind of your body take over. And I think that that very expressiveness without any words. Um, so, so cinematography, the... The uh, uh, films nominated for cinematography are Blade Runner 2049. I didn't see it. Darkest Hour. I didn't see it, and I feel that when I saw that that was nominated, I almost was like, oh, you know, I I got to see it. I feel like, was that even in theaters? I feel like I saw a commercial many moons ago, and then I never, I've not heard any hoopla about it. I have not heard one person say to me. I haven't either. I I saw saw the the original Blade Blade Runner Runner and loved it. And I thought it was amazing. Um, but, uh, but I, but seeing what I have seen, I really think, again, I, I'm sorry to just be talking so much about the shape of water. I thought the shape of water was just cinematography, just fascinating. Well, it's um, up, it's up for cinematography along with Dunkirk, Darkest Hour, Mudbound. Mudbound was another wonderful movie. And then Blade Runner. Now, one of the ones that I always love is costume design. Um, so costume design this year is Beauty and the Beast, Phantom Thread, 
And that's Daniel Day-Lewis's movie, Victoria and Abdul, Shape of Water and Darkest Hour. Uh, Did you, I I, I love seeing that being the category. And I just want to say one quick, and I'll jump right back. One quick thing about Mudbound, which is fascinating and really kind of showing the times we're living in, is that Mudbound was a Netflix movie um, and was was never in, in theater, was only on Netflix. So that kind of shows this new way of, you know, you used to think a straight to video or thing was a, was a, a, a curse. And now that's sort of the way we live in now that, that, that Netflix can really take over. But getting, yes, as I was saying, what, how I'm so always amazed by the makeup, by the costumes, by, um, with those being the cat, with those people being in it, actually, I might say the darkest hour might be what I would go with, um, because of sitting with that time period. Again, I didn't see Dunkirk, so, um, I'm sure you well, know more so of, of, fitting with having to fit with a war scene that was probably very powerful. But seeing with uh, with costume design, um, with those in the category, I would probably say Darkest Hour would be my vote. Yeah, I I really liked um, Victoria and Abdul um, as well. I that did not just, see that film. So that, one was, that one's a really, it's a, it's a great movie uh, about Queen Victoria and uh, Abdul, who comes from India. It's a really great one. But I, I always like when there's the costumes have, you know, have this flair to them. That's kind of exciting. So we're going to be running out of time here, but let's just look at directing. So it was Dunkirk, Lady Bird, Shape of Water, Get Out, Phantom Thread. And we haven't talked about Lady Bird or Phantom Thread much. I. I liked it. I liked Lady Bird, but um, I guess I'm still shocked that it's up for so many awards. Yeah, you know what? I maybe mother like daughter, which is fascinating <laughs> that we're talking about Lady Bird uh, because the actress the, that's in it, I do say R.C. Ronan, and yeah. I think she's so amazing. Um, from, from I think when she was in Atonement, when she played that little girl in Atonement. Um, but anyway, I digress. I I. I wasn't, you know, I thought, okay, you know, I, 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 I'm all for, I love the fact it was a female director and a female writer, and so, you know, hashtag feminism, go girl power, but I, I, I seen it with you, I, I thought, oh, it's a good movie, but I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised it's really gotten so much, um, accolades, yeah. so, uh, yeah. again, um, you know, maybe that's just something I'm, I'm missing in it, into it, so I know this is always, this is a tough thing, um, again, I, I've, I can't hate to say with Shape of Water, I thought it was just an excellent movie. Um, you know, Jordan Peele wins, it's pushing boundaries. So that kind of open to interpretation with this one. How about for you? Well, uh, yeah, I I really, I, I, I'm still going with Shape of Water. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Love, I love Shape of Water, I think, across the board. And so that's, I think, as directing... Um, directing, you know, Dunkirk, that was really a good one, too. So it might be between Dunkirk and Shape of Water for directing for me. But in any case, so the Academy Awards are coming up here on, let's see, what day is it? It's yeah, on I just want to give a quick rundown. If, if people have uh, award season fatigue, so just a quick of 
Anyone tuning in so you know what's ahead of you. First up, we have the Brit Awards at February 21st. Then we have the Oscars coming up. Excuse me, uh, jumping ahead. We have the Film Independent Spirit Awards going to be March 3rd. The Oscars are March 4th. The Nickelodeon Kids Awards are March 24th. The iHeart Radio Music Awards are March 11th. The Academy of Country Music Awards are April 15th. <laughs> the Billboard Latin Music Awards are April 26th. The Billboard Music Awards are May 20th. The Tony Awards are June 10th. The BET Awards are June 24th. The Emmy Awards are September 17th. And that is your 2018 (laughs) wrap-up. Well, there's one that you left out, and I talked about it already because I just found out about it today. February 23rd is the awards for Movies for Grown-Ups. And it's called for movies that target a mature viewer. And I didn't even know that. And then, of course, the best award of all is going to go to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and the crowd roars. Well, thank you, Heather, for joining me today on this award wrap-up. And thanks for telling us all the things that are coming up. Thank you all for being here every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. And we're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. Make sure you check out CynthiaBryan.com and my new books, as well as go to BeTheStarYouAre.org for what's happening at the charity. Until we are together next week, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And this is Star Style. We thank you. We encourage you. To dream, create, inspire, make a difference, and watch a movie this week. Thanks for joining us. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.